physical training is of some value, but spiritual training is of value not just for this life, but the life to come. And it's mentioned as in the Bible as of some value. It's probably been a seven-year progression of God bringing up a little higher the value of, of physical stewardship. If there, <laughs> if there are cookies around, man, I just don't stop. I, I'll eat. I mean, I think I honestly think I had 20 cho- uh, white chocolate covered Oreos this Thanksgiving. I think I had 20, maybe 25. Welcome back to the Building Better People podcast. This is your host, Charlie Lima. I have Travis Inslee on the podcast today. You hear today his fitness journey and how working out helps to make him a better version of himself. It helps him to give more of himself to others. You're just going to love hearing his story. I hope you enjoy. Howdy, everyone. My name is Travis Inslee. I am a husband to a fantastic woman named Kirsten. I have two little boys, Jed and Wyatt, four and two and a half, and I work at Declaration Church. Awesome, man. Thanks for being on the podcast. You bet, buddy. Travis, let's start out because you're class of 03. 02. 02, that's right. Whoop. Whoop. So let's hear kind of what, you know, how you have gotten to where you are living back in College Station because I think that, you know, mm-hmm. most people leave and don't come back, but you've right. gotten to come back. And so give us that story real quick. Real quick, I took a job in the marketplace in Dallas in 2003, class of 02, Victory Lap. And then worked for five years in sales and then went on staff with Young Life and spent six years on Young Life staff hanging out with the rowdy high school kids. And then in the midst of all that, had a unique uh, opportunity slash encounter with the Lord and an invitation to plant a church here in Bryan College Station. So we moved back in 2014 to start Declaration Church with my friend Blake Chilton. That's awesome, man. And tell me... You started working out here. How long after you moved back? We moved in fourteen of the summer of fourteen, and then I came by to visit in the fall of fourteen. I had taken six months off of working out, trying to move and have a baby and do all kinds of stuff, remodel a house. But I knew I needed to get back in the gym, and so I came to visit you, and then started working out January of fifteen. And you're pretty. I mean, you're how many days a week now? Um. Three to five, yeah. and I'm doing some running on the side, but three to five, I, I want to get at least four days a week here at the gym. And you've seen pretty good results? Uh, the thing that I, I, I told you this, but the yeah. thing that I, uh, there's three or four things that I really missed leaving Dallas and moving to Bryan College Station. One of them was my CrossFit gym. I kind of got tricked into, convinced into checking out CrossFit in 13, 14, and had a lot of skepticism, had a lot of... Uh, kind of triathlete pride where I thought that that was really the only workout that needed to be done. And I got into CrossFit and I had a group of people, more importantly, that I really liked to be around. And to work out together was just this really new and I think really sweet gift from the Lord that I wasn't expecting in Dallas. And so getting back here, that's one of the things I wanted to find as quick as possible is a gym with great people to to work out Hard. What gym was it in Dallas that you started out at? It was CrossFit Richardson. Oh, yeah. CFR. The Todd's mm-hmm. gym. Todd's Pinkston. gym. Todd yeah. Pinkston. It's really John Marshall's gym. Yeah. Todd just thinks he owns it. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so let's go back. Let's try to start when your actual like workout 
journey began? When did working out become important to you? Did you play sports growing up? Yeah, I played sports growing up, but working out was more uh, of baseball players don't work out. Let's just be honest. Baseball players don't work out. And so I didn't really work out in college, in high school. In college, it was just like bro workouts for your biceps. And and then it was after college when a friend of mine who was a, a Big 12 runner here, when A&M was in the Big 12, he was a track star. He got me into running, distance running stuff. And so I started actually exercising for me and for personal health and for goals in, in probably 2004. And really was just interested in running and then kind of got into triathlon stuff over the course of the years, but never was anything like functional movement, barbells, Olympic lifting. That was never a reality for me. In triathlon, how far did you take that? Did you ever do, I mean, you did sprints. Did you do anything longer than the yeah, sprint? Yeah, I had, I've done one marathon, a bunch of half marathons. And then in triathlon, uh, my longest was a half Ironman in Austin in yeah. 2010. So half Ironman, 1.2 mile swim, mm-hmm. 56 mile bike, mm-hmm. and a half marathon, 13.1 mile run. That's right. And what year was that when you did that? 2010. I was 30. And how did, I mean, training for that, was that pretty intense for you? Or did you um, use those other marathons and half marathons base to kind of build your way into that? It was a progression, but I got totally eaten alive on that race. The half Ironman blew me up. It was super slow, super hot, super hard. And I didn't train very well to, to be ready for it. I was trained enough to finish, but not really to be competitive. Uh, it was, it was like completed, but not successfully completed. But you have to kind of want to do that to sign up. So like, where did that, I mean, that was, were you just kind of wanting to challenge yourself more? Was it just, you did a, an Olympic or a, a sprint and then you thought, man, I could do the bigger one. Yeah. There, it was a little bit of a couple of things. One internally, I just want to. I, I want to beat my old times. Just know that's just sort of how I think is to to do better the next time. But my brother-in-law, my wife Kirsten's brother, is a I don't know ten or twelve time Ironman guy, and so I look up to him for a lot of reasons. Um, he's just a gift of a leader and a good friend and a good big brother, but. One of the things that I just watched him do was finish. Hmm. No matter what, he would finish. He would take on hard challenges and he would finish and got to where uh, he could finish and, and win his weight division and age bracket. And so some of it was like inferiority complex that my wife's brother is such a, a, a bad to the bone kind of athlete and I'm not. Yeah. And so I want to do something like what he's doing, but in part just to, to train that inner, that inner reality that I want to finish the race. And let's do hard things to finish. And what did you accomplish in that race, like in your head or physically or what? I mean, you said it was hard, so. Uh, uh, there a myriad of things. I wanted to quit 15 times just during the bike. <laughs> Before I even got to the run, I wanted to quit. And it was super hot. And man, I just wanted to quit. I think the thing, that I, accomplishment in that deal was... Um, there was a, a big dose of humility that I either could have accepted or rejected. And I came into it thinking, oh, I'll probably finish in five hours, five and a half. Uh, and that's like elite, <laughs> elite triathlon yeah. times. And I finished in seven and a half, which is like, you can barely do an iron, you can barely even, like the cutoff I think is eight for a half Ironman. And so I think what I took away from it was probably, uh, 
and you're not as good as you think you are, you probably need to, to, to train a little bit harder for things you mm. want to accomplish. Good job finishing, but um, more, more was like this, this reality that uh, you're not invincible. And if, if you really want to, to do something, you got to put more into it on the back end to finish strong on the Which one the was race. that? In Austin? Austin, yeah. Okay. And the Longhorn uh, mm-hmm. Ironman yeah. is what they call it. Yeah. Uh, after that, did you have any desire to do a full? Yeah. So if I put this on tape, then it might have to happen. <laughs> um, my wife and I are doing the rock and roll, San Antonio rock and roll next weekend. Cool. And we, we're we kind of, I'm doing the, the BCS Classic the weekend after that. Oh, BCS the, half? Yeah, BCS half okay. after that. And so I think that this is going to be the catalyst. I want to do a full Ironman before I turn 40. And you're 37. Yep. So I've got, well, 38 in January. So I got about two years and now sort of the catalyst. My plan is to be in the gym, CrossFit three or four days a week and train on the bike or the, in the pool or. So now that you've experienced a half Ironman at 30 Mm -hmm. and you know, kind of what not training very well for that feels like, and Mm -hmm. you're, you know, 37, what do you envision training for that looks like? Like, what would you say in order to be ready for that race? What do you need to do? Uh, I, I have to get long runs, long swims, and long bikes in. I have to just put that into my rhythm and schedule it. But I honestly think I have to stay doing CrossFit. Hmm. My my uh, fastest sprint time came when I moved down here in 2015. My fastest sprint triathlon was in 2015 here, and I only trained one day a week, but I did CrossFit three or four days a week. Hmm. I only did distance stuff one day a week, and I alternated and CrossFit three or four days a week. So I think that uh, I just got to keep adding a little bit of distance and stay here in the intensity because CrossFit teaches you how to suffer, and I feel like one of the things I didn't do very well in the Ironman was suffer well. Hmm. And now, yeah. now I think that uh, I've learned a little bit more about how to endure the the discomfort of intense workouts. So I I can tell you because I did the exact same race you did in two thousand nine. Oh yeah, the half Ironman. Yeah, and the bike, you know, you'd go up these hills to think you've reached the top, only to turn and have to continue going uphill. The worst, man. It was so bad. You know, my lower back and hips, you know, I was excited getting off of that bike. I remember remember it like it was just last weekend. I was excited to run because Mm -hmm. I sat on that bike for three hours. Yeah. Three, almost uh, three and a half hours. Yeah. And I was just so excited because the bike felt like it was the longest part of the race. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you're right because I started CrossFit in 2008 and so I was already CrossFitting at that time and I feel like CrossFit teaches you intensity. In other words, like you could be a distance runner or a triathlete, you know, cause I'd run that year I actually ran four marathons and did the half Ironman and my first CrossFit competition. So I was kind of doing it all at the same time. Right. But I, what I learned in CrossFit was how to really push myself. Because mm-hmm. I didn't like to push myself. And right. I still kind of don't. Like right. there's workouts that, you know, I always laugh because I'm like the difference between like those guys that are really good and me is those guys when it gets really hard, they just keep going and I'll stop mm-hmm. and get water or mm-hmm. <laughs> come up with any reason to not keep going. And I'll watch you and I'll do the same thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> I watch you and do what but, you do. But yet, it's still pushing me at a higher intensity than I would otherwise. Because mm-hmm. running and biking and swimming for most of us can be very comfortable, especially when we're going for three or four hours. Oh, yeah. You just start cruising. And that intensity piece that CrossFit teaches you, even if it's for five minutes, 10 minutes, or 15 minutes, I think kind of carries into endurance. Mm-hmm. So you might be a, a, a half marathoner and you you know 15 seconds faster per mile turns out to be like a three minute faster four minute faster time and Mm -hmm. and i think it carries into so i like that you're thinking like crossfit can still complement at that time i don't know if you were familiar with crossfit endurance Mm -hmm. guy named brian mckenzie kind of came out with a program called crossfit endurance and he basically was an ironman athlete and had programming for his whole philosophy was you don't need to do the excessive volume that has been taught to you because that's actually really wear and tear on your body. Mm-hmm. It's more about h- higher intensity, shorter intervals. Um, but he kind of had this website where you could swim, bike, run, and CrossFit. You right. know, you, but I think going forward, you might it, it might be something you want to yeah, dabble with. I need that. So 2010, half Ironman. You come off of that, and then what? What's next? Like you're I got, thirty. I got fat, <laughs> <laughs> fatter, or fat, fat, some fat. I just, I just sort of. Finish that, and I think I would just run here and there and train for a half or do the turkey trot just so I could be able to run three to five miles at a time. But uh, no, no real consistent regiment and training, no real consistent regiment and diet. Um, sort of young life ministry took off, and family started happening, and kids started coming, and so I, I just didn't have a discipline to be healthy. And it was obvious when I started CrossFit in 2013 that I didn't have a discipline to be healthy. So for, you know, I always think through that. And I'm like, man, you know, because I'm in this like role of being a personal trainer, mm-hmm. I have absolutely, I kind of don't have a choice. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I have a choice obviously, but I tell people often like my, what I do for a living keeps me in line with working out and eating healthy. But I recognize that, man, the challenges of, young family mm-hmm. of working mm-hmm. lots of hours when you were in that three-year intermission i would say between the half ironman where you had been training for marathons and doing a half ironman and triathlons and then all the way to 2013 we started crossfit was it did it just never like come to your mind though is it just like the gym was just the runs like i mean three years is a long time when you've been doing it for 30 years of your life, you know? Yeah. So what was that season like? I mean, it was just like... It, it was... I think it was probably a little overcommitted on some places where I'm learning today at 37 to say no to more things than I used to at 27. And to have margin and to say, say no so you can put the important things in place, I just wasn't good at in my late 20s. And so I think somewhere around that 30 year old spot I uh, I just said yes a whole lot and so I was pretty constantly tired and up late lots of nights and and there just wasn't a good rhythm properly across the board there wasn't a good rhythm and and I, I could I could feel it taking a toll on my body I could feel it taking a toll on my energy levels I could feel it taking a toll on my emotional health there was just a there's not good rhythms. Overcommitment will. Man, I love that because I think, you know, if you look at like anybody, we're obviously talking about exercise and um, being healthy, but because you're overcommitted in other areas of life, probably in some things that aren't as important, mm-hmm. 
that's one of the pitfalls you fall into is yeah. ignoring your health for three years, right? Mm-hmm. Not being, not working out, you know? Well, and I, I think I've started learning too. I feel like God started teaching me a little bit about uh, stewardship of my body. It was sort of a slow revelation of, hey, this is the one body that you get. And so different things I would read in different places, I just would start to feel this gradual urging to, hey, this is your one, this is the one body you get. You can either let it disintegrate or you can maintain it and and use it for as long as I let you live. And I felt like I was... I felt like I was unable to really execute life to the full whenever my body was uh, constantly tired and putting the wrong food in it, drinking too many beers. You know, pick the thing that happens whenever you just don't take care of your body. I felt like I was less and less and less able to live. When was the beginning of that thought for you? Oh, man. It was probably 2012. It's probably been a seven-year progression of God bringing up a little higher the value of of physical stewardship and so from 2012 to now because that's I would say like your fitness and your health has probably inclined and gotten a lot better shape oh, yeah. you know um, what have been some of the ways that God has revealed to you the truth of that I think a handful of ways one just energy with my kids that I can I, I said this to you a while back, but I can both I can take both my kids and carry them upstairs without a heart rate change, and my kids are weighing like seventy or eighty pounds together right now. Um, the training we've been doing with my wife on triathlon training, uh, marathon half marathon training, I push the stroller with the kids in it, and there are things I'm able to do energy wise. Uh, that I can keep, I can keep up with my kids. I can, my son's getting fast, but he's not faster than me, and so mm-hmm. we can play. Um, I've seen it in the way I rest better at night and wake up more energized in the morning. There's just a, a focus on my in my mind that is sharper because I'm healthier. Mm-hmm. And the the more groggy my my um, mornings were, the worse my sleep was, the less productive my days were, and I, I feel like. This has been a piece. Being healthy physically has been a piece of taking my my ability to minister to folks, my ability to, to care for my family, my ability to think clearly about life throughout the day. There's just um, this has been a piece of necessary change that has kind of turned a corner to life more full. How how's nutrition? kind of been a play in that I am still discovering that Charlie <laughs> the, 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 the nutrition play I don't drink sodas uh, that's pretty much the only real nutrition play that I live out right now is I don't drink soda uh, I can tell a major difference if I eat a lot of sugar there was a, a season that Charlie challenged me for the summer to not eat cookies and sugary things and not have alcoholic beverages and for two months and it was evident that that made a difference yeah. all, all of my times all of my lifts all, all of the things just improved a whole lot in that season and so I think I'm I'm slowly moving towards a more disciplined space in the kitchen but nutrition has has been uh 
a hard one for me to jump onto fully. I don't drink sodas, and I have a really bad habit of eating cookies. If there, <laughs> if there are cookies around, man, I just don't stop. I, I'll eat. I mean, I think I honestly think I had twenty cho- uh, white chocolate covered Oreos this Thanksgiving. I think I had twenty, maybe twenty five. Yeah, dude. So the eating is definitely not. <laughs> I'm still working on the eating part. You got, I'm, you got me on the, you got me focused. And it's a real necessity, but I'm not but sure you, yet. For two months, you were pretty good about it. Oh yeah, yeah. For two months, I was totally clean. So did you not feel good enough to want to not do that again, or, or cut back? Um, or was it just like, I don't know. I think I think I'm still lazy in a lot of ways in life, yeah. and that's one of them. Yeah. Is, and it's hard. It's hard to mm-hmm. budget food and to figure out meal planning. It just takes more prioritization and discipline. And I'm I'm still growing in that area. And it's got to be a team thing you know, too. And I think of it too. Um, got I got to turn this around on you, just obviously because I think it. But it's like you challenging somebody to start reading their Bible every day. Oh, for sure. You know, and then they're like, "Man, I did it for two months, but man, I just don't have time." Mm-hmm. Or you know, and it's like they probably realize that may well. And, and let's be honest, like two months is good but forever is better right oh, yeah. <laughs> consistency yeah. in the scriptures is better than yeah and when we start dabbling in nutrition mm-hmm. you know and it's like it's about like the consistency right it's right. how how are we going to be able to what are the changes that we can make long term you know it might not be no cookies right it might just be not binge cooking not, not 25 cookies yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fair plan. <laughs> well, and I will say, I'm not maybe super disciplined, but my wife has done a great job of food planning in our house. And so the meals that are on our rotation, mm-hmm. a lot of those are really clean. Paleo, turkey, mm-hmm. vegetables. There's a lot of things that she's built into our rhythms that not every night is a super pure food night, but more and more and more since we got married to today is our our are we being intentional about the food we put in our bodies and the food we put in our kids? And so I think I've seen in the last five years, especially in the last three, us being more intentional about eating dinner together at night as a family consistently, that the food planning that she's been doing, a lot of it's really clean. It's leaning healthy. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. A lot of it's leaning yeah. super healthy. So back, so let's go 2013, CrossFit Richardson, you kind of start experiencing CrossFit. So what was that like first three, four months like? It's demoralizing. <laughs> it made me realize how weak and scrawny I was and how all I really had to offer was I could run an eight-minute mile for a while. Uh, CrossFit Richardson was was really challenging, but I could see improvement. And I, I really think the thing I loved about CrossFit Richardson was the people and sort of the shared space of honest relationship and... Um, authenticity and it was a great mix of people who uh who were great athletes and who were marginal or terrible athletes who were people that were spiritual and people that were not it were people that believe in god and people who didn't and it was just this really sweet melting pot of humans interacting in a very real and tangible face-to-face partner workout encouraging kind of way that the community aspect of that was part of the is probably the most um enticing and the thing that drew me in the most and i started seeing changes i got stronger do you think crossfit globally is like what you're describing is doing a really good job at that um depends on the gym owner yeah uh i've been to different gyms and dropped in different boxes across the country 
and it totally depends on the gym owner. If the value is on humans interacting and taking care of themselves and being a better version of who they are, then you'll create that space. If the gym owner is just thinking gains, 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 and trying to be the sexiest you possible, then no, I don't think CrossFit is creating that space. But gym owners make a huge difference on do they care about people and they want them to be better versions of themselves? Absolutely. And how does that compare to the church Mm. or does it at all? Um, That's a good question. I I think it does. Um, I don't know if it's exact one-to-one, but one one of my best friends who's a worship pastor in Memphis, Tennessee, he and I were talking years ago, and he, he said that all of all of the Christian life can be summed up into this from his perspective, um, that shared suffering is the summary of the Christian life. And believers share in Christ's sufferings because he suffered, we don't have to suffer. That our, our sin was put on his shoulders, and so we share in his suffering, we also share in his glory. And when I think about the way that the the, cro- the CrossFit sort of community space is creating kind of a replica of that is we, we get to share in each other's sufferings. Whether you can lift a lot or you lift a little, everyone's sort of suffering together. And there's a, a kind of a sweet vulnerability that is in that space that opportunities for encouragement happen every single class. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter how strong you are or how weak you are. Uh, and so... I think there is a comparison. Um, There's almost a vulnerability that occurs every workout because you're exposing your weakness. Mm-hmm. All of us. I mean, Absolutely. even the guy who's the strongest and fittest in the room is pushing himself to a very vulnerable state. Yep. Yeah. And so I do think that there's something to be said about the way CrossFit creates community amongst people that is the primary reason for its explosion is that people are desperate to be known and cared for. That people are people, humans are desperate to be known and cared for and loved no matter how they perform. Mm-hmm. And so often life is built on this especially western culture, life is built on a performance valuation. If you can perform well then you're valuable and people are desperate to be loved and accepted and valued regardless of their performance. And that is really what God does in Christ is he values us because he does not because we're great at being moral or self-righteous he doesn't he doesn't value us because of that he values us because we're his and there's something that is a maybe it's an echo maybe it's a, a reflection but there's something in that in the space of working out together at the gym that the value is not on how really great that you are some gyms for sure they only exalt the people who are the strongest and the people the weakest stay for a little bit and quit but the people, the gyms and the spaces where the value is in the human and their value is because they're in the image of God and we're all kind of sharing in this space of vulnerability and working hard and suffering and being transparent with our weaknesses in this aspect of our physical strength. Yeah, it's a, it's a sweet reflection of what the church is supposed to be like. That's good to hear. So what, um, I want to talk, a, you, we did a backpacking trip a little about a year and a half, I guess, ago, mm-hmm. and you've been you've been backpacking several times in your life. I mean, how many times have you gone on a mountain, climbed, slept in, you know, 
I've, I've done, I think, 12 or 13 different weeks over yeah. the course of the last 10 years. Yeah. So you, have you done those trips out of shape comparatively to done them in shape? Oh, yeah. Uh, in in 2011, I, I did a trip with high school seniors and had my friend Josh Lipscomb not been weaker than me and, and older than me and less shaped than me, I would have been totally smoked. I would, I would have felt like that was the weight that and was dragging people A lot down. of people don't understand what these trips are like. So how much weight are you carrying in your bag? You're carrying between 40 and 60 pounds on your pack. Yep. And you're walking about how much per it day? Depends on the depends on the crew, but elevation change will yep. be between three and 4,000 feet of elevation change. And, and starting at like 9,000 yeah. feet, getting to 12 or 13. And what on. is the elevation of Brian College Station? Brian College Station is, <laughs> I think, 604 feet or eight, <laughs> so, 308 feet. So you're feet starting at about 9,000 mm-hmm. feet higher than Brian College Station and then getting up to about 13. So oxygen levels are really, really, really thin and light. Uh, the pack's heavy. You're going uphill for the first two or three days. And so. There, one some days you could go as far as 10 miles in a day some days you could go as far as 15 miles in a day some days you only make it three or four because it's so intense and so straight up that you can't go any faster mm-hmm. so when you so the 2011 trip and then what mm-hmm. would you say was you were in the best shape going on a trip last year this past summer right? uh, absolutely yeah uh, yeah the, the last two years being in the gym versus all my years of doing these trips while doing triathlon training it's a it's a fantastic fantastic difference between I mean stark between my capacities to hike and carry a pack and go uphill in the altitude from five years ago to today. And you know I think that to me um, is you being able to express your fitness in your life. Mm-hmm. You know it's because yeah. like that is something you've done it twelve or thirteen times and you obviously enjoy it. You know mm-hmm. you don't do that kind of thing ever again if it's not something you enjoy right but because you're not taking care or stewarding your body mm-hmm. it could actually limit your ability to express your fitness in your life totally you know yeah and not want to go back because you're like man i can't do that again mm-hmm. you know but your ability to enjoy that mm-hmm. and want to do it again and look forward to it is a testament to you stewarding your body well yeah our bodies were made to work mm-hmm. they're designed to work to accomplish to run to lift to dig to build our bodies were designed to be manual laboring creatures and being healthy lets you do what you're designed to do so this last uh i would say couple years what are some of the big accomplishments in the gym, CrossFit-wise? Like, what would you say you've been that you hadn't ever been able to do, or any PRs or any um, movements? Um, for sure, muscle ups. I, I did one in 2014, and now I can do more than one, mm-hmm. and that's it's great. I feel like I'm. That's one major major gain is the other day you did 21 next to me on that lunge muscle up workout and you were just doing them just yeah i've gotten faster mm-hmm. so i think muscle ups is a big change in what i've been able to do having been here um a lot of my I mean, everything all of my maxes are up my all my times just sort of keep going up and i know there's a limit uh everybody's body has a limit and i hope that something doesn't break to show me what mine is. And so I'm trying to be wise in 
how much I feel like I need to lift mm-hmm. and how much weight I need to deadlift or squat or bench press. But when it comes to endurance stuff, I just see how fast I can get. And so we touched on this kind of a little bit earlier, but kind of the last question that I like to ask people or is close it out with, you know, our purpose is building better people. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we believe you working out makes you a better version of you. Yeah. And so how is that true for Travis Inslee? I have more to offer um, to my kids, to to friends, to people in the church, people outside the church. I just have more. I have more energy. Uh, I'm, I'm more able to help. I moved the refrigerator with my family last weekend, and three people got on one side, and I got on the other. Uh, I'm able to help and assist in... So from a, just a physiological side, I'm just more able. I'm a more able-bodied 37-year-old. But there's a connection that between our spiritual health and our physical health and our emotional health, that all those three are, are tied together. And um, I wish I could remember exactly where it is in the Bible now. Um, I think it's Philippians. Physical training is of some value, but spiritual training is of value not just for this life, but the life to come. And it's mentioned as in the Bible as of some value. It it applies. And if that one is totally neglected, then the other ones are going to suffer as well. And so the direct application of being healthy and being here in the gym is it's made me more able, spiritually more able, emotionally more able, physically more able. I'm just more able to serve people and sort of offer my life to others. And you know that with you kind of ending with this, it makes me think of, um, you know, I think sometimes we believe like we, I don't necessarily think we don't believe in being healthy, but I think sometimes we put, and, and I'm not saying that being healthy is more important than our spiritual walk with the Lord, mm-hmm. but I think sometimes we don't understand how much that can fuel our spiritual walk with the Lord. Oh. That God, you know, God can use everything. He can mm-hmm. use, you know, you know, becoming a dad mm-hmm. to draw you closer to Him. He can use getting married. He, he can, but He can definitely use you becoming healthy as a way to draw you in. So, what would you say, like, for somebody who's you know, maybe they have a great relationship with the Lord, but man, getting healthy has always been a burden mm. and it's been a challenge, right? It's been like to the point where it's almost like they just completely put it like almost in the back burner. How can you encourage that person, you know, from your perspective as a pastor, but even as somebody who is, you know, understanding stewardship, what could you tell them? Discipline is not something you can silo into just one area of your life. If you're going to be disciplined in one area and not disciplined in another, then you're just holistically undisciplined. And so for you to have a disciplined spiritual life, I don't know how you can have an undisciplined space on the other pieces of your life. Uh, In other words, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but as you say that, man, I, I don't know if I've ever understood it fully until you just said that, but... I agree because when you're walking with the Lord, He's teaching you discipline. Mm-hmm. So it typically will overflow into everything. Yeah. And so to be consistent, to be obedient, to be deliberately present 
with the Lord, it's going to be hard to consistently do that when you, when you won't do that in other areas of your life. You won't do that with your family. You won't do that with your personal health. You won't do that with your kids. If you're not disciplined to be consistently present in, in all areas, you're not going to be great at just one area. It'll be temporary. And so how physical health and physical training and physical discipline impacts your spiritual life, I just think they're inexorably connected. If you're physically healthy, then you're going to, if you're disciplined to be in the gym or consistently on the treadmill or whatever it is that you do, if you're consistently being intentional about caring for and stewarding your body, then you'll also care for and steward your time. You'll be disciplined to use that to the most, to the most full degree that it's available. And so spending a consistent time with God, being relationally connected to the Lord. If you're groggy and tired and you can't wake up in the morning because you have bad sleep patterns because you eat a bunch of ice cream before you go to bed, you're not going to wake up early. And early is the best time to sit alone with God. The day starts and distraction continues. But early mornings, if you don't sleep well, then you can't get up early. And if you don't take care of your body and eat healthy and exercise, then you're not going to sleep well because you're not going to be really tired at the end of the day to crash and rest and then recover and wake up in the morning. Uh, I just think they're inexorably connected. You can have a healthy spiritual life and not be physically healthy, but you won't have as healthy of a spiritual life as you could have if those two pieces weren't connected. Thank you for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe to the Building Better People podcast where you will hear more stories of individuals being positively impacted by living a healthy lifestyle.